Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 57th episode of the PJ Archive. It's a phone interview I did in 2009 with the American actress and singer Shirley Jones, who starred in a string of successful films, including the musicals Oklahoma and Carousel, and Elmer Gantry, for which she won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Shirley is also best remembered from the 1970s sitcom The Partridge Family, in which she played the mother of her real-life stepson, David Cassidy. I began by asking Shirley what she was up to work-wise. Uh, just about everything, Peter. Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing concerts. I just completed a concert. My son Patrick, you know, is a, a wonderful singer-actor. He's done seven Broadway shows. He's my middle son. And uh, we went back to Broadway together about four years ago to do 42nd Street uh, together. And it's the first time a mother and son ever appeared together in a Broadway musical, so we made Broadway history. And after that, we've been asked to do, you know, all kinds of shows together. And it's been fun for me because I've been playing, we've done Music Man, Oklahoma, Carousel. And I play the old lady and he plays the male lead. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been great fun to do. And so we just completed. Now he has his own one-man show, his, his act, and I do. I have my concert that I've been doing for years, you know, that I mm-hmm. still am doing. So we just did a show, uh, actually Academy Award Day, down in uh, Indio here. And uh, we did two shows, afternoon and evening. And even though it was the Academy Award night, which I didn't uh, believe anybody would show up, we had two full houses. So it was very nice. He, he does the opening, I do my show. And then we, you know, we end the thing singing together. Have you done any theatre in England, in the West End of London? No, I never have. You know, I've been asked, and it, it, it intrigues me a lot, uh, uh, you know, uh, to, to go back there and work. I love London. I, I love England. I'm, I'm an old, uh, you know, English, you know, bred uh, uh, gal, so English and Welsh, of course, you know, right. so. Uh, but no, it, it just never, you know, came about. And uh, I never have. I've never even done a, you know, a, a nightclub uh, circuit there. So didn't because of course, yeah, with the surname Jones, you would have Welsh blood in you. Have you actually? Oh yes. Tra- have you been there and traced your family there? I have, unfortunately I haven't. I've been all over England, all over Scotland, and I never got to Wales. Right. And uh, before I leave this this earth, that's what I want to do. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. So, do you know that you do definitely come from Welsh stock originally? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. My, uh, my grandfather uh, was born there, uh, came over here when he was about three years old, and, um, you know, built a brewery in a little town of Smith in Pennsylvania. And we were in the beer business. That was our business, Jones Brewing Company. So you'll probably find out you're related to Tom Jones. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. He and I have worked together, you know, several times. And... Uh, We've not, you know, uh, we, we, we talked about that and uh, finally realized maybe down the line someplace, you know, we'd have to look it up, but I don't think so. <laughs> and um, have you got any screen work coming up, TV or film? Uh, no, not at the moment. Uh, I did just oh, a few months ago, I did, you know, we have uh, uh, a series here, a daytime series called Days of Our Lives. Yes. And I did six episodes of that playing a wonderful 90-year-old lady dying of cancer. <laughs> so those kinds of parts are fun for me to play, but it was a very difficult thing because they do one show a day, you know, oh. so 
you can imagine, you know, the amount of lines I had to learn, you know, every single day for every show. So it was a difficult job, but it was a wonderful role for me. I might be up for an award for it. So, Having had such a long, glittering career, a lot of people wouldn't understand why you'd want to still be working. Why not just retire and enjoy glory in your success? <laughs> well, you know, uh, the fact that I'm still healthy, thank the Lord, you know, uh, I don't know any other way to live, to tell you the truth, Peter. I mean, I've been doing this since I'm 17. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's been a way of life for me. Now, yeah, there are certain things now that I say no to because I just don't really have the, the inclination or I don't want to take the time or it's just too hard. I mean, it, the work's too hard. But to stop completely, no, that's something that I don't think I want to do unless I have to, mm. unless my health goes, my voice goes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've, I've just developed a little bit, a very small sort of beginnings of what could be asthma, which, of course, is death to a singer, you know. Yeah. And I went to the doctor, and he said, he said, no, you don't have asthma. But he said, take, you know, and it's just over-the-counter stuff. Take these twice a day. And he said, come back in a month, and we'll see what's going on. Well, I'm almost 100% better now. From that standpoint, I mean, I, I feel great. I love working with my kids. Marty and I, my husband and I, you know, do some things together, and it's great fun. We do you know, kind of talk show. I mean, we're, we're hired to go out and speak, you know, together. And, of course, he's a, he's a comic. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been married 30 years, so we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> You've had quite a marriage as well, haven't you? Quite a colorful marriage. Yes, yeah, a very colorful marriage. Oh. Uh, how much do you have in the way of memorabilia around you in your home? Well, a, a lot. I mean, you know, We've only been living here in Encino. We moved from Beverly Hills six years ago. Right. And, uh, and I lived there for 35 years and raised my kids there because of the school system. And so, but when we, when we left Beverly Hills, I had so much stuff that we had, a, we had an estate sale, and I right. sold a lot of it. And now, but I still have a lot here, yeah. yeah. You know, I have the Academy Award, as you know, mm -hmm. and um, a lot of, um, you know, awards plaques, statues, glassware, and, you know, lots of stuff. Uh, do you have any famous neighbors? Uh, Stephanie Zimbalist, I don't know whether you know who yes. that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lives right below me. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter Marshall, who was, you know, the host for Hollywood Squares for years and years and years, lives mm -hmm. right above me. Um, that's all I know of at the moment. And where in the house do you keep your Oscar? Right in the living room on the little stand. Oh. So as you walk in the front door, that's the first thing you see. How much does that mean to you, that Oscar? Well, it was very, very important to me. You know, not for the fact that I, I, I won the Oscar for the performance. I mean, that alone is just a marvelous uh, thing to happen to anybody. But what it did for me was very special because up to that point, I was the musical lady. You know, I had done Oklahoma, Carousel. The Music Man, uh, uh, April Love with Pat Boone. Uh, and for the most part, at that time in Hollywood, if you were, were, you know, if you were a singer, you weren't considered an actress, so to speak. I mean, yeah. it was stupid, but that was the case. And so I was very typed. I was very typed in Hollywood, the little musical princess. And what Elmer Gantry did for me was change that completely. It gave me the longevity that I've had in the business. Hmm. It turned my whole career around. 
And after I did Gantry, I did, you know, 25 motion pictures. It's a big change for me. Tell us about your Oscar speech, because there's a lot of fuss about that in the UK. I mean, we had Kate Winslet winning Best Actress a couple of days ago. Um, I know. What's your thoughts on Oscar speeches, and uh, particularly for the actresses? What should they do? Well, you know, it's, it's up to them. I mean, that's their, it's their deal. Uh, I was on, by the way, with my speech. Uh, they did a clip of me uh, on the Academy Awards this year. Everybody saw me, and my speech was, as my husband always said, you know, it was so weird what you said. What I said was, this is the, this is the happiest moment of, in my career. Yeah. And he said, most people say it's the happiest moment in my life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that's not the way I felt. But um, I think it's, you know, uh, everybody has their own feeling and reactions to things. And uh, I, I didn't see the awards this year, so right. but I voted for Kate Winslet. You know, I, you? I, I'm a member of the Academy, so I get to vote for everybody. And I voted for her. I thought her performance was brilliant. Because she said in her speech that at the age of eight, she picked up a shampoo bottle and pretended it was an Oscar. Yes, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. As I said, I was performing myself, so I missed the awards. Oh. How do you rate her? Oh, I think she's fantastic. I mm. mean, she's brilliant. Because in your capacity as a member of the Academy, you must have to watch loads of films every I year. I do, yes. Yeah. And you know, you they send them to me, you know. That. So, you know, before voting time, <coughs> excuse me, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here day after day watching movies, you know, which I love, of course. I just love movies, but it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a responsibility. How much do you watch of your own past work? Very little. Matter of fact, they had Elmer Gantry on, because on Turner Classic Movies here, uh, which is my favorite channel, I just love it because it's all the old films, and, you know, I'm crazy about films of the 40s and the 50s. They've been showing Academy Award films you know hmm. and so they gantry's been on quite a bit elmer gantry uh the last few months and marty i was sitting in bed reading the newspaper the other day and he said turn on the gantry's on <laughs> and i said oh anyway i watched it you know and i normally don't really want to go back and watch my films you know it's it's almost like you know who is that little girl i mean i don't know that person <laughs> hmm. But actually, physically, you haven't changed a jot. You still look the same, and with respect, you've got the same kind of hairstyle and the same image. Have you ever wanted to do anything drastic, or do you feel that that's how people always associate you? I'm one of these people that I don't necessarily go with the styles or go with the mood or go with a... I have a hairstyle that's easy for me to do. I do my own makeup and hair all the time, hmm. you know, wherever I go, and uh, even on television. And, and uh, so, you know, I want to have a hairstyle and, and, you know, a makeup and a, and, a, and a dress or a pair of pants that's comfortable. I'm not one of these people that ever, even in the early days, you know, said I have to wear a certain designer and I have to go to a certain hairdresser and I have to. I've never been that kind of person. Have you never come close to changing your image drastically? Or has an agent ever said to you, look, you know, we need to move you in a well, different direction? Yeah, I did. I, I dyed my hair black for two films. I had black hair. One of them was uh, with Tony Randall, mm -hmm. uh, called Fluffy, about a lion, a huge lion, mm -hmm. and I had black hair in that. And the other one, actually, was a film that I did in England. I think it was The Secret of My Success, but I'm not sure. And I had black hair in that as well. But that's the only time. And then, you know, the big change for me was when I cut my hair. I mean, I had long hair all my life. Right. And uh, right before I did The Partridge Family... I cut it short, and it's been short ever since. Yeah, Never yeah, would yeah. have long hair again. 
because you're still so recognizable. I expect, you know, people must still stop you in the street and... Uh, they do, amazingly enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice, yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 75 next month, and uh, it's hard for me to believe, but... Um, but, you know, I, I, I exercise, you know, at least five days a week, and I try to take care of myself. You know, people say, well, you know, you, you could do a little face work, you know, if you wanted to, or so-and-so. And, yes, I would look better if I took the, the you know, the, the bulge out from under my chin, you know, and a few things. But, um, I, again, I, you know, I'm one of these people. I grew up in a small town, and, and uh, I don't want to have any surgery that I don't have to have, you know. Yeah. No, you look terrific. I wouldn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, and it's always been said that you were named after Shirley Temple. Uh, yes, I was. Did you ever meet her? Yes, but only once. I never met her, obviously, as a little girl. I mean, because we were, you know, the same age, really. And my yeah. mother was in love with her. That's why how I got the name. But uh, years ago, actually, we were at a, a screening or a premiere of a film together. And she sat right behind me. And that was the one and only time I met her. So did you turn around and say, I was named after you? I didn't know. I actually didn't say that. <laughs> but, oh. but uh, uh, you know, I was delighted to meet her. She, she's a bit of a recluse now, isn't she? Yes, she is. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And you also met uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, I presume. Well, they were... I was under contract to them. They yeah. The one and only person ever under, put under contract to Rogers and Hammerstein. I had a five-year contract. And they were they were my mentors, of course. I you know I, when we did Oklahoma, uh, we did it in Nogales, Arizona, which is weird doing Oklahoma and Arizona, but we couldn't do it in Oklahoma. Hmm. And they were they produced it themselves. You know, this was not a movie. This was not a studio. Hmm. They were the producers, and they were there every single day, nine months on location, fifteen hour days, seven days a week. What what were they like, the two of them? Well. Rogers was sort of the the outgoing one. I mean, he would, you know, he was the, the mouth, as we say. Except behind the scenes, Hammerstein was the decision maker. Right. No doubt about it. But he was the quiet one. You know, I mean, Rogers was the ladies' man. You know, he chased every skirt in town, <laughs> including mine. And, Did he? Uh, so, you know, he would, and Hammerstein was, you know, happily married, had a place in Bucks County, and invited me down, my husband then, Jack Cassidy, uh, yeah, yeah. down for the weekend, you know, at his home. And, and uh, it, they were wonderful men. I mean, I just adored both of them. And as I said, I would not have had a career but for them. Yeah, bearing that in mind, though, I mean, when he was chasing your skirt, how did you deal with that? Because you don't want to upset the boss, do you? Right. I said, um, he said, uh, are you, um, do you have a boyfriend? And I said, uh, oh, yes. And of course, I didn't. Yeah. I said, oh, yes. I said, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm engaged, you know, that's why I really need to get some work and so forth. And, mm. and uh, he said, oh, well, that's, that's, that's nice. And he was still sort of, and I said, and this was, this was the one that did it. I said, and you know what? You've been like a father to me. <laughs> but he hated that. <laughs> he hated that. But that yeah. killed it. Yeah. Um, why didn't you do The Sound of Music? Were you ever offered that? No, I wasn't. Um, you know, I had done, you know, um, the two musicals for them. You know, Julie Andrews had been on Broadway and done some several wonderful things on Broadway. And uh, I just, you know, obviously they felt that she was more right for it, you know, an English woman and all of that. So that was the case. 
Mm. Were you a little bit envious when you saw... Oh, sure. I wanted to do it, you know. Mm. I've done all of their shows on the stage, every single one, you know, playing the leads. And, of course, South Pacific, <clears throat> the Broadway company of South Pacific was my first show. I was one, you know, as one of the nurses. I, I was in the last six months of the Broadway company, and that was before I did the motion picture of Oklahoma. I think I'm right in saying you kind of idolized Gordon McRae, isn't that right? Oh, yes. Well, he was my first leading man, really, you know, and, and but before that, I adored his voice. I just thought, and still do, think he had the greatest voice of all time. There was a, a, a Saturday morning teen show called the Teen Timers Club on radio, and every morning I would tune in and listen to him, him sing. This was when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. He died tragically young, didn't he? Yes, he did, uh-huh. Believe it or not, he had throat cancer. God, that's awful. But he was a big smoker and a big drinker. And um, it was sad, you know, he was a wonderful man. You know, when you're in a fantastically romantic film like Oklahoma, people like to imagine that you genuinely were in love, the two of you. Was, was there quite a little chemistry between you both? No. He, Sheila, his wife, you know, was mm. on the set with him all the time. Right. She, she was there. Uh, and he was quite a bit older than me. I mean, he was at least, I think, 15 years older uh, at the time. I was a kid, you know, I was 18. And uh, so, no, no, there wasn't any of that. It was just real admiration, you know, and, uh, and he for me. I mean, it, 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 and he had, his, his fourth child was born while we were doing Oklahoma. Oh, wow, that's nice. I loved Surrey with the fringe on top. That's fantastic. I love that, too. Yeah. Were you quite keen to get into the movies, to get out of the sort of stage work and, and get onto the, the screen? Well, you know, I hadn't done that much of anything, Peter. I mean, mm. I, I hadn't done... The only shows that I had done... My first audition was for, for Rogers and Haverstein's casting director, and I was, I was on my way to college to become a veterinarian. Yeah, good for you, because I love animals, too. I hope I'm a big animal nut, and yeah. I... Even though I could sing, that was a gift, and that was given to me. Uh, I was very, had very mixed emotions about wanting a career in show business, even then. And it happened to me, as people say to me, and people that know me, they said, your career was handed to you on a, on a gold platter. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is, Miss Jones, take it. And in a way, that's true. Sense of destiny, definitely, for you. Exactly it? right, absolutely right. And so I hadn't done a lot of Broadway. I mean, my, as I said, I was a nurse in South Pacific for six months. And then they put me in a show called Me and Juliet, which is one of their lesser Broadway shows. And I, I went to Chicago with that. They gave me the part of Juliet, which was a featured part. I had, I had a solo, and I understudied the lead. And during this time, this was all within a year, during this time they sent me to California to screen test for Oklahoma. And at the end of the year, I was in California filming Oklahoma. So I had done, what, two shows. But I, I, I adored making motion pictures. Now, I love the theater, too, but I love it. It was a whole new medium for me. And I was a movie nut. I mean, I, as a kid uh, in my little town of Smithton, I would go, and we only had films on weekends, and I would go both Saturday and Sunday and sit for both the matinee and the evening show movies. I love movies. And, uh, of course, we've explained you got your Best Supporting Actress Oscar for Elma Gantry. Do you, and, and that basically implies that that was the best thing you ever did. What do you feel was your greatest work on screen, or has been so far? Well, you know, that certainly has to be one of them. I mean, it was a, 
you know, it's what you have to deal with. I mean, I had an incredible role, an incredible director, an incredible co-star, brilliant writing from Mr. Brooks. And so all of that combined uh, gave me an, a, a great thing to play. Fortunately, I was able to do it. And so I would have to say that that was definitely one of the best things I've ever done. Now, I've done television roles, too, that I'm very proud of. Yeah. Uh, I did a thing called Silent Night, Lonely Night with Lloyd Bridges. It had been a Broadway show with, uh, with uh, Henry Fonda. And uh, it was a marvelous uh, story and a marvelous, two marvelous roles. And uh, I, I've had, you know, several nominations, Emmy nominations, too. So I did a thing with Red Skelton called The Big Slide. Mm -hmm. And that was a marvelous role for me, too. So I've had a lot of a lot of good good parts, and of course the musicals themselves. I mean, you know, the Music Man was just great, great part for me. I hope you don't mind me saying, but you know, playing a prostitute in Elmer Gantry, did that ever land you in any difficulty? Did you go because in those days people were a lot more conservative and less open-minded oh, than they are now? So. Oh yeah. Oh no, I know. No, you know, I had a lot of letters <laughs> come in and say, "How dare you play that terrible part." How dare you play that wicked lady, you know? Uh, but, I mean, that didn't, that didn't mean anything to me because I knew that this would change my, you know, if, if, if it were a good film, well done, and God knows I won an Academy Award, that it would change my whole life, and it did. Yeah, absolutely. Was there ever any chance of you being in the film of West Side Story? No, not that I remember, no. I don't think so. Or any Elvis Presley musical film. I was asked to do an Elvis Presley film, and I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Which one I, was it? I turned it down. It was, uh, and my manager said, oh, it would be great to work with Presley, you know. But there was no part, I, as I recall. I mean, you know, he was the, he was the, the, the movie, and the, the ladies' roles were so, you know, indifferent. They just didn't mean anything. I can't remember which one it was now, but I remember I didn't want to do it. Did you ever meet him? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I met him when I was up for the part. And what was and he like? And he had a party was given in for him. And I went to the party. He was very sweet, very nice. Because, I mean, the 60s was a fantastic time for popular music. Yes. Um, these days, when you were in that kind of position that you were, a big star, you know, great singer, you'd have kind of been pushed, I'd have thought, towards uh, having a pop career. Was that ever mooted at any stage before the Partridge family came along? Yeah, they, I had, uh, matter of fact, I did, one of the, uh, a musical, uh, uh, a record producer came to me and said, I have a song, I'd like you to record it. And it was a, you know, for me, a pop song. You know, I was raised doing opera i mean that's my voice was mainly operatic and so it i didn't have the quality of a pop singer when i sang and uh but he had it written a song and he said let's try it and i thought it was good but nobody bought it <laughs> so obviously i was not a pop singer did you meet most of your idols or work with them yeah i worked with a lot i mean i uh I, you know i have when i do my show now my my concert I do, before I come on, there are eight minutes of film clips that I show. And, you know, they're extraordinary clips. I mean, the audience is absolutely taken aback by it because they're people like, you know, Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra and Burt Lancaster and Jimmy Stewart and Henry Fonda and, and you know, uh, uh, Richard Widmark. I mean, 
incredible people that I had an opportunity to work with, plus directors, John Ford and Vincent Minnelli. My career has been steeped with these people, and it's been a wonderful experience for me. Do you still sometimes pinch yourself and think, did I really do all that? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and when I look at the clips, you know, because I show them every time I do a show, and I'm standing backstage and I see them, I can hardly watch them without tearing up. You know, I get very emotional. And uh, how many of these big names that you just mentioned, for instance, did you ever become close to? Or is it always difficult to become close in this industry? It's very difficult, Peter. I mean, you know, you, you, you do the film. You know, when you do a show, for example, I mean, and I found this out when I went back to do 42nd Street with Patrick. I'd forgotten what the theater was about. Um, when you do a movie, you do the movie, you, even though it may take months to do, and then it's over. I mean, you know, you, you go to work, you come home, you go to work, and it's over. And so you don't really develop. I mean, yes, I stayed very close to Gordon, and Gordon McRae and Sheila, who's still alive. I still, you know, communicate with her. She lives in New York. And, uh, you know, a few people. But, I mean, rarely does that happen. Whereas when you do, for some reason, when you do a show together, the camaraderie that happens in a, in a production, a particularly a Broadway production, really hangs in there. It's mm. amazing. And I'm not sure what the difference is. What kind of a relationship did you have with your stepson, David, prior to the Partridge family starting? How would you got on with him in the first Well, time? as a little boy, you know, he... I, for him, I was the wicked stepmother. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Even though I wasn't wicked, I adored him. But he... You know, he, he was the divorce for this little boy who was very, very... Um, sensitive. Yes, exactly. Very, mm. very sensitive child. Um, was a disaster. And Jack, uh, you know, just kind of left. I mean, even though he was with me now. But, I mean, I mean, he would come over and spend, you know, maybe a month in the summer and, and, and holidays and stuff like that. Uh, but he was never close to me. And I don't think he was ever... You know, he wanted, he wanted more closeness with his father. But Jack wasn't the best father in the world. He really yeah. wasn't. I mean, he tried to be, but it, it was not his deal, even with my sons, you know. So that was a very difficult thing. But when he grew up and when we did Partridge Family together, that's when we became close on an adult level, you know. Bearing in mind how it all unfolded, do you have a lot of regrets and I, you know, if onlys, you know, that you could go back in time and make things good for everybody? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I did the best I could. Oh, I know that you did. I you mean, know? from the point of view of you saying that Jack wasn't the best dad and no. David got a bit screwed up about it after a while, and uh, it, it just seems such a shame at the time. It didn't. Wasn't well, always. Well, there wasn't much you could do because. He and his, you know, David's mother just didn't get along. And, yeah. You know, she took him to court a couple of times. You know, the usual thing that happens in a divorce. Yeah. So it was that was the that was the problem. And Jack wasn't easy. I mean, no. He was a, he was a tough guy. He was troubled, wasn't he, Paul? Trump? Yeah, very yeah. troubled. Uh -huh. yeah. And when you uh, first received the scripts for the Partridge Family, did you have a gut feeling this was going to be an international success, or is it impossible to tell? I just knew when I first read. You know, I was, in the beginning, opposed to doing a television series because, mm. you know, the, the, the agents and managers and people said, surely, no matter how good the script is, don't do a television series because if it does become a success, your movie career will be in the toilet. 
And they were right. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is what happened. But I have no regrets. When I first read the script, first of all, I loved it. Loved the fact that it had music, that I was the first working mother on television. Mm. And that it if it was successful, it would give me an opportunity to stay home and raise my kids. And they were school age then. And, uh, you know, up to that point, I'd taken them all over the world on movie locations. And I couldn't do that anymore. And I just, I wanted to be a home mom and try to, you know, make it work that way. But I was the, basically the breadwinner because, you know, Jack was a Broadway performer and he would be in New York doing a show and I would be at home raising my kids and, you know, going to the school meetings and stuff like that. So I had to, you know, decide, and I, I was thrilled and made that decision. But certainly up until uh, David became himself an international superstar, you were the biggest name in the Partridge family. Is that why they kept your character's name as Shirley? Yes. Because mm-hmm. they kind of wanted to draw attention to the fact Shirley Jones is in this show. Yes, they did, uh-huh. How much contact do you still have with the rest? Obviously, you must be in contact with David, I thought, because you're yes, sort of, of related. Uh-huh. Uh, how, how much contact do you have with the rest of them? Not much. Uh, um, Suzanne Crow, who's the little girl, you know, yep. she, when she comes to town, she lives in Laughlin, Nevada. She has two daughters, and when she comes, she calls me, and we have lunch or something. And Danny Bonaduce calls every now and then, you know. And, uh, you know, that's, that's about it. I mean, you know, very little. Susan Day, hardly, she just sort of decided no more Partridge family, and that was it. So That seems a shame. I know. I felt so, too. It's always been... Uh said that she had a, this big crush on David during the yes. filming and she finally came out to him uh, just as it was ending. Yes. Um, were you aware of her big crush, bearing in mind... Yes, pretty much so. Yeah. It was kind of obvious. But I knew that that was not the case with him. No, quite. Well, I mean, he had a lot of distractions, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> when things started heating up for him and he became a, a big star, um, what was it like with regard to the uh, screaming girls coming to the set and so on? Well, it was, you know, a couple of times it was a disaster. I mean, uh, I remember we were in the bus and uh, doing a scene in the, in, in, the, in the famous bus, you know, with Danny Bonaducci, and... The girls were all over the, uh, the, the we, 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 we did the show out in the valley in Columbia Ranch, and they were waiting outside the gate, they were all over, hanging on the fence, they were all, you know, everywhere. And David and Danny got in the bus and drove through the gate and drove down Hollywood Boulevard to get rid of the girls. So, I mean, yeah, they were everywhere. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was difficult at times. And, uh, and the thing that, you know, that happened with, with David, of course, was phenomenal because mm. even the producers didn't know what David had. I mean, they, they had no idea. You know, nobody played instruments in the show. Nobody sang but David and myself. And uh, they didn't know that David had the talent that he had. So that was a surprise and a big surprise for everybody. So that was great. But the only thing is, you know, David would go out and do concerts on the weekends and we had to report for work Monday morning, you know, at 8 o'clock. And he would show up late sometimes, and I, I wouldn't have that. I mm. said, you know, I know what you're doing, and it's great, but you have a job here. And we're, we're not waiting for David Cassidy. Very often in professional circumstances, they don't like um, relatives, uh, work, people from the same family working together. But in fact, I'd have thought it turned out very good for both of you. That well, you they, asked, they asked me, you know... Uh, I was the first one to, you know, to say yes to, to, to doing the show. So I was the first one cast. 
and I would have to come in and read with the, the little kids, you know, that they had, that they were trying to cast. And they came to me, unbeknownst to me, and said, what's your relationship like with your stepson, David Cassidy? I said, it's good. You know, why? And they said, well, we're thinking of casting him as King Partridge. I said, really? And I didn't know that. And I said, really? I said, oh. I said, I said that's a great idea. That's a great. He said, well, we just want to make sure it's okay with you. I said, of course, you know. And, of course, the, you know, the story I tell, which is really what happened, I walked on the set, and yeah. David was there, and they were sort of testing him and so forth. And he said to me, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm your mama. <laughs> and he didn't know that. There's even been a uh, TV movie made of the Partridge Family, the whole experience. Mm -hmm. how, how did you rate that? Do you think it was fairly accurate? It was all right. It was a little, you know... Um, Cheesy. Yeah, I felt so. You know, they just went for the, you know, the, the, the sort of downside of everybody and everything. I didn't, I didn't like it so much. And you explained that the program brought you and David together. And um, did you go to a lot of his shows and experience this phenomenon, this hysteria that he experienced? Well, I went to a few. I mean, I didn't travel to go to, go to them. You know, a lot of his career was in England for a long time. He, yeah. he worked there, as you know, it still does. And if he, yeah, if he was close by, of course I would go, you know. But what did you make of it as his stepmom, looking at him on stage and, and looking around you and all these young girls going absolutely nuts and you thinking, that's my stepson there. I know. Well, they did it with my son too, Sean Yes, Cassidy. indeed. Yeah, of course. They, but perhaps not to the same extent. Yeah, well, pretty much. Yeah, no, no. David, David was the number one, you know, teen idol in America, even more so than Elvis for a while. Yeah, no, I know. In the world, yeah. Yeah, in the world. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely uh, more so than Sean. But I, you know, I went to see Sean at Madison Square Garden and couldn't believe it. Was it hard, sort of, for them coping with the the extent to which David became such a superstar? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they, I think they all, you know, thought it was great. You know, they all got along very well. I mean, even though David was uh, a stepbrother, um, they're very close brothers. Because David didn't, you know, when, he, when they lost their father, um, and, you know, David really felt lost. And he really relied on his brothers. And they're still close. And now, uh, Sean, my son Sean, who's a writer-producer over at Disney. As a matter of fact, he has the, the Walt Disney office. It's his office now. And uh, he wrote a pilot for, for David and Patrick. And ABC picked it up, and it's going to be on the air. Is this the one that David's been promoting, where it is a similar story to his own, really? It, well, yeah, it's called Ruby and the Rockets. That's it, yeah. Yeah, and it's charming. I saw the pilot. It's very funny. You know, it's about two 80s rock stars, David and Patrick. And 20 years later, David's still in the business, still trying to, you know, make a hit record. And Patrick owns a car agency and has two grown children and, you know, is a homebody. And David keeps trying to get him back in the business. And he has an illegitimate daughter by the name of Ruby, who's a singer, a la Hannah Montana. Are they going to put you in it? Oh, I'll be in it somewhere, yeah. Oh, Grandma will make some appearances. <laughs> and at the time when, uh, you know, David's uh, pop career, um, everything went wrong here in London with that sad yes, thing with the uh -huh. girl dying. And, and then I think he decided to quit shortly afterwards. Yes, he How did, huh? To what extent did he confide in you during that period? Were you helpful to him? Well, not much. You know, you know, his mother is, is here. So, I mean, he mm. had his own mom to talk to, basically. Mm. You know, and uh, 
he was very closed off about that. David was one of these people that didn't really air his feelings in those areas. Maybe he did to his brothers, but I even doubt that at that time. Why was the Partridge family pulled? I don't. I never understood it. I absolutely love it. I've even bought the DVDs recently. I know, I know. Well, you know, it it, it was a shame because what happened was the you know the the series right opposite it became a big big success. You know, the married couple with the with the son and they and they 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 go against everything. Um, the, you know, the opposite network put this series on, and it was a brand new idea for a television series. Mm. But the, the crotchety married couple with the son that belittles everybody, and, you know, they belittle the, all the Jews and all the black people and all that. It was one of those kinds of series, which was very new for the time. Have they ever tried to do a reunion show of the Partridge family and get you all back together again? Yeah, they have, but it's a very difficult thing to do. Because, first of all, Susan didn't want to do it, and, you know, we, we did, we did a, a, a sort of a, a, a tryout of, of getting a new Partridge family, you know, and going, you know, one of those reality shows where everybody went across the country and auditioned for the parts. And Danny and, and David and I sort of, you know, were judges for that. <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know, they, they, they did a pilot, but the problem is, these people weren't actors. <laughs> they mm. were just people off the street, you know. Mm. So you can't quite make actors out of those people. Because they've done a lot of movies recently of 70s shows, like Charlie's Angels and, and even yes, the Brady uh -huh. Bunch. Have, have they ever tried to do one of the Partridge family? I don't think so. You know, I think basically one of the reasons is that they can't get the music. You know, the musical rights for a lot of the songs and stuff like that, they can't get. You explained that um, just being in that show uh, damaged your film career. Mm -hmm. What did it do for your TV career? Well, it didn't do much for that either. I mean, you know, I, I didn't. Uh, I did a pilot, a couple of pilots uh, after the Partridge Family that didn't happen uh, for television, and uh, uh, you know, it didn't. It didn't do much for, for for any of that. I became Mrs. Partridge. That's what the agent said. You'll be Mrs. Partridge for the rest of your life. And you know. As I said, I did 30-some motion pictures before I did The Partridge Family. And now when I get, go into an office where a young person is the producer, he said, what have you done? Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. so if you could go back in time, would you have skipped The Partridge Family? No. Right. It was great. As I said, for, it was great for my personal life. And even today, even though I'm still known as Mrs. Partridge, it's okay. <laughs> right. Because, you know, they, they, it was so revered the show and people loved it so it's nice to have that feeling do you have any memorabilia from that show oh have sure got yeah. any of the outfits i have um i don't have any of the outfits but i have you know lots of posters and lots of you know um some things off the set and i have a chair that i took, believe it or not a chair that i took off the set you know that kind of stuff but no i don't have any outfits have you ever seen any of the austin powers films mm, no because Austin Powers wears an outfit very similar. I know. To, uh, I've seen his pictures in that outfit. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Did you think? Hang on a second. I've I seen know. That. I've seen that. I've seen him. Yeah. yeah. So, of the work you've done, you know, since then, how satisfying has it been, or has it been frustrating that you've not been perhaps given the opportunities that you should have, you deserved? No, I don't feel. I don't feel neglected, you know, or rejected. I don't feel that at all. Um, yeah. At this point in time, I would love to. To, to do more acting roles. I mean, old lady roles. I would love that. 
Hmm. Character parts is what I'm trying to say. I remember my son Sean said, Mom, don't ever have any face work done or you won't get all the wonderful roles that old ladies should get. <laughs> oh, and I said, you're right, you know. And so, you know, from that standpoint, I mean, I did a, a thing um, for uh, a Hallmark uh, recently, um, and I had an Emmy nomination for it. Right. And it was a wonderful part. So those kinds of things I love doing. Hallmark, Lifetime, you know, that kind of thing. Did you ever turn down any projects that later became successful and you thought, oh, no, I shouldn't have... No, I didn't. Right. Not that I remember. Yeah. Was there any, any part that you kind of would have given your right arm for that you didn't get? Well, I, you know, I tested... I, I only did two screen tests in my li lifetime, <laughs> believe it or not, because everything at that time was offered to you. You know, you didn't have to test. But I screen tested for Man of La Mancha... Right. That Sophia Loren, of course, got. Yeah. <laughs> who wasn't a singer, but she got and probably was more right for it. And um, I screen tested for the one, that, the, the film that Debbie Reynolds did, uh, Molly Brown. Right. Molly Brown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Loved that. Loved it. I loved the part. Loved it. But, you know, again, she was probably more right for it. Do you feel you've been given the credit that you deserve? Oh, yeah. I think so. I feel very fortunate about it. And you've, you know, you've got a Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame star, haven't you? And what's mm -hmm. it like to receive something like that? I mean, that's really legendary. Yes, to it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. Yes, very, very gratifying, you know, to know that it's there and people are walking on it. <laughs> yeah. And do you ever go and, you know, look at, observe it from a distance or something? And, oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah, many times. Tell us about a moment with your Hollywood star. Well, I just, you know, I... I, I was right next to John Wayne, which wasn't bad. <laughs> not bad at all. <laughs> not bad at all. And, uh, no, it was just exciting. And my kids, you know, and some, you know, relatives that would come to, to visit, you know, from my little town of Pennsylvania, that's the first thing they wanted to do is go and see the star. So I'd go with him. It was very gratifying, you know, to, to know that it was there and that I'm a part, you know, a major part of this industry in Hollywood. So, nice feeling. Do you still have fans who've stayed with you throughout your career? Well, I, yes. I, ha I have a, a young woman who was, well, she's not young anymore now, but she was my, sort of the beginning of my fan club years ago. And she hung in. She's still here. She's not doing that anymore. But she lives in New York, and we talk on the phone, you know. And uh, I still get, you know, letters from, there's one in Canada, there's one in Chicago that they write, how do they send letters to you? Just put Shirley Jones, Los Angeles or something? No, no, they have my address. They're close enough to have my address, you know. Now, you've done uh, quite a lot of political support in your career. Mm -hmm. um, was that something that originally you were quite hesitant about? Because, you know, associating yourself with a particular party, I suppose, might be well, difficult. Well, I was, except that in the beginning, it, you know, it didn't make any difference, you know, what party you were for. Uh, I'm a Republican and, and, and always have been. But I have been associated with Democratic presidents and so forth. I've sung for six presidents, you know, so, and that's kind of wonderful, I mean, to, to have had. And the, uh, the senior Bush, you know, the, uh, the, the big uh, convention down in New Orleans, uh, I was the lead singer of Sang America the Beautiful there. That was right before he was elected. The, uh, George Bush Sr. Right. So what's been your most memorable moment at the White House or with a president? Anything really funny happened or memorable? Well, there have been a lot of <laughs> a lot of wonderful memories. Uh, when Reagan was president, uh, I went and sang for Nancy and Ronnie, and they 
and they put me up in a beautiful suite right near where his private office was. It was on the second floor of the White House. And um, I remember, you know, wandering around there sort of by myself. They would bring my meals up and beautiful bedroom I had and, and all the meals were catered and gorgeous. I was there for like three days or something. And um, I, I wandered into his personal office. It was not, you know, it was not the, the Oval Office or anything like that. It was his, just his little private place to go. And it was a, there was a... Um, uh, you know, a, a couple of uh, machines in there, uh, you know, uh, to play, playing machines, you know, uh, and he had his, his jelly beans in there, and he had some private letters. It was very cute, and framed pictures of his family and that kind of thing. So that was nice to see, and I don't think anybody ever got to see it. Bearing in mind you're very clued up politically, did you ever fancy office yourself in any way? No, never. I wouldn't be in politics if they paid me $8 million a day. Really? <laughs> no <Why>? way. <laughs> oh, please. I wouldn't even marry a politician. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. That's, Why? That's, that's just too hard. It's hard enough being an actress, you know, and having to deal with the public and make decisions. No way would I be involved in politics. I guess you must struggle to understand why Arnold Schwarzenegger left, left show business. I, I never did understand that. No, I never mm. did. Or Ronnie Reagan. And did you ever meet any of our royal family? I did meet Margaret. Matter of fact, I had a private dinner with Margaret and a friend of hers who was a friend of mine here in California. It was great. She was a hoot. She was a lot of fun, very outspoken, <clears throat> great sense of humor, heavy smoker, as I recall. Yeah. Because uh, I was a singer, you know, and all I, I was choking all the time. But she was fun. I really liked her. Did you have to call Margaret Mom or something? No. No, it was Margaret. And how much uh, of your career and life have you spent in the UK? I did um, at least two movies there. Lived there for months and then traveled there, you know, intermittently mm -hmm. on cruise ships and stuff like that. I love it. I just love it. Because you did an album here um, quite just a couple of years ago, I think. Actually, yeah. It's, it's out now. Yeah. Uh-huh. What they did was just take songs, you know, that I had done early on in my career and and then songs now and kind of put them... It's called Then and Now. Yeah, it's very similar to one that David did, actually, a exactly, few years ago. Exactly, uh-huh. Was it him who got you onto that? No, they called me. Right. And uh, how do you feel about recording albums at this stage? Do you still want to be doing that in the future? Or? Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't record this. <coughs> right. They just, they just took songs and put them together. Right. So I didn't have to go into a recording studio, in other words. And what sort of things do you want to be doing in the future? Do you want to carry on, you know, do you want to bop to do drop, as they say? No, I just take one day at a time. I have a house in the mountains where I go and sit and put my feet up and talk to a coyote and <laughs> have a martini and play with my dog. You know, I love that part, too. And where do your children and grandchildren live now? All 15 minutes from me. I have 10 grandchildren now, and they're all close by. So it's, it's fun. You know, every weekend I'm with them. I have a two-month-old little granddaughter, and my oldest grandchild is 27. She's a, she's a makeup artist in the business. How do the grandchildren, how aware are they, are they of your fame and success? Well, you know, the older ones, of course, are. Uh, my grandson, Jake, is a, uh, um, wants to be a film editor, and he's moving to New York, as a matter of fact, the beginning of March with his girlfriend. So 
you know, they all are very much so. Uh, the Biography Channel here did a two-hour biography of me. Uh, they've only done three two hours, Marilyn Monroe, John Wayne, and me. And um, it's a phenomenal piece. And my kids, you know, they, they really treasure that, and so do the grandkids. And you said that you're, one of your grandchildren is becoming an, an editor. Um, uh-huh. How do you feel about the tradition of show business being continued in the family? Well, I, you know, listen, how can you not? I mean, it's... <laughs> It's such a part of the family. My little, I have a, another little granddaughter who's just turning 11 uh, next week, and she sings like a dream. Right. So, I mean, what, how can you say no? Are you coaching uh, her? No. Uh, she, she did something so cute, though. She, she was in a show. Uh, in, they have a little theater where my son lives in Hidden Hills, and, and they had a thing called Babes on Broadway, and it was kids could audition anywhere from four years old to, you know, 15 years old, and did just about every, things from every Broadway show. It was very cute and very well done. And she said, Grandma, I got a solo. I said, you did? And she said, yeah. She said, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. So I went to the show, and she comes out, and she sings, Good night, my someone, good night, my love. I tell you, I fell on the floor from the music man. But that made you very emotional. It really did. And when... You know, a youngster, whether it be your own grandchild or just a, a, a kid these days, were to say to you, what's your advice for me going into show business? What do you say? Learn your craft. <laughs> Today it's much harder than when I was there. You think so? Oh, my gosh, yes. Today you have to do everything well. Not well, but brilliantly. Hmm. You have to sing. You have to dance. You have to act. You have to know who you are. It's very difficult today because hmm. the competition is so incredible. What do you want to achieve for the rest of your life? Oh, I don't have any big, <laughs> big, you know, things set up there that I need to go and look for. I just, want, I just want to keep my health, you know, at this point in my life. I want to keep my health. I want to, don't want to have any, any problems in my life. The less problems, the better. The less, you know, uh, things that I have to deal with. As, as my husband says about me, his famous phrase about me is, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to live to a very ripe old age? I'd like to, if I'm healthy. And still be singing? Yeah, sure, why not? You know, in hopefully many decades to come, uh, when you finally leave this planet, how do you want people to remember you? That I was a good wife, a good mother, and a good friend. And professionally speaking, do, how do you feel about the fact that they'll probably always best remember you from, you know, the Rodgers and Hammerstein and yeah, from Partridge? that's fine. I mean, you know, when I, when I still see people crying when I sing, uh, I know that they're being moved.